What the Bible says about self-harm on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. On this edition of the podcast, we're thankful to welcome Dr. Kevin Carson, who is the pastor at Sunrise Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri, and is a professor of biblical counseling at Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary in Springfield, Missouri. He's here to talk to us about the important issue of self-harm, and this, Kevin, is an issue that I think a lot of people are confused about. It's probably an issue that a lot of people don't even know or think about. So when we talk about the issue of self-harm, what are we really talking about? Well, when you talk about self-harm, there's a number of individuals. They say up to 1% of the United States population who consistently harm themselves in one way or the other. And self-harm is a broad topic. It could include anything from cutting to hitting to picking. And those where you would just pick at your skin, you'd create a spot, and you just constantly keep it uh, fresh and let it bleed some. And it would be a constant thing that produces pain. It could be breaking bones pulling hair, pulling eyelashes. It's just a broad sense of what it includes. Uh, And so at that point, people often are struggling with some kind of pain, usually emotional, some kind of guilt or shame, something's going on in their past. And so at that point, physical pain seems easier to deal with than what they're trying to think through. So that's that's interesting because I think when people hear the descriptions that you're providing of the kinds of things that people do, you know, you say if 1% of the population struggles with it, then that leaves a whole big bunch of people, 99%, that don't struggle with it and are perplexed by that kind of behavior. What is the logic behind it? How can we understand this problem? What is it about the infliction of pain on oneself that helps to deal with whatever these difficulties are? Well, it's it's what I would call the vicious circle of folly, if we use Dave Pallison's terms from years ago, where they have some kind of stressor. Now, the stressor could be a current relationship. It could be a pressure at work. And that stressor is added to something from the past that they're dealing with. And the combination of those two makes that pain unbearable. And so that would encourage them then to go do some kind of self-harm. Typically, uh, they employ something simple, and it just gets more and more. It's kind of like the law of returns where it initially helps and then you have to increasingly do more and more for it to get the same kind of help. So the person doing self-harm gets some kind of momentary relief and then after the momentary relief that's replaced with guilt and an unchanged situation. So it's just this vicious cycle that keeps going over and over and where they have to ultimately do more self-harm and do it more often in order to feel the same sense of relief. If we were going to recognize commonalities here, understanding that when we're talking about people, we're always talking about individuals, but is there any way we can sketch a commonality in the background or the experience of the kind of people who struggle with this sort of difficulty? I, I want to be careful how I word it, because in the various people I've counseled, there are some things that are similar, but yet, as you said, they all have individual stories. And so I don't want to minimize what's happening in a person's life. But often there's something that's gone on in the past, and that has created an incredible sense of disappointment. And not handling that disappointment in a biblical way has led to this continual 
and I'm calling it pain for lack of a better word, but just this burden that's on someone's soul. You know, I almost think of it as David, Psalm 51 and 32, where he's talking about God's hand was heavy upon him. Just that sense of a heaviness, not that it's sinful, but a heavy spirit. And so trying to do something with that without honoring God, they turn to these self-harm practices. And then usually it's an individual trigger. Maybe it's something off of social media, something at work, again, something going on in the family that encourages the continual use of the practice. When we talk about a problem like this that is somewhat out of the mainstream in that a smaller minority of people are struggling with it. Not a lot of folks have experience with it. It seems like it's the kind of problem that the Bible wouldn't say very much about. Mm. Um, What would you say to people about what the Bible has to say? What can we learn from this problem uh, from the scriptures? Sure, there's a couple key passages in the Old Testament. They're in the first couple books of the Bible, and so it's in the law, and it says don't cut, but it's kind of close to don't tattoo. Mm -hmm. So at that level, really, that's not where I typically go to get biblical instruction on this particular issue if we're just talking about cutting. But in just general self-harm, usually the person's struggling with a lack of gratitude. Mm -hmm. God has somehow in their story, there's parts where they're disappointed so there'd be a lack of gratitude, lack of contentment, um, misunderstanding of the goodness of God, just this sense of a struggle in trying to worship God, loss of hope, those kinds of things. And the Bible talks about that all over. Yeah. And so those common issues tend to be behind whatever's going on, the current struggle. So we want to, as we work with them, we want to look past the behavior and recognize we have just a common person here with common struggles, but they're responding to it differently than maybe an extra drink or Mm. too much coffee, lack of sleep. You know, there are other ways we respond sinfully to stuff. I think this is just one way people respond sinfully. So if if we go look in the concordance for the specific word, we might Mm. feel disappointed, but if we understand the themes behind the actual presentation of the problem, we'll find rich resources in right. the Bible. The Bible talks about it in many different ways. Okay. And when you look at some of even the heart, possible issues of the heart, uh, sometimes it's perfectionism mm. where they just can't, no matter how hard they try, if, especially if it's someone with eating habits, they just can't look the way they want to look. Or it's an issue of control. Something in the past was out of control, and now if they self-harm, it, they can't control that past pain, but they can control the current pain. So they have a sense of, I can choose when to do it, when not to do it. And it's almost a sense of you you hire self-harm to work for you, but before long, you're serving it instead of it serving you. What about people listening to this and they know somebody who struggles with this? Or maybe someone's listening and they do struggle Mm -hmm. with it. What is some biblical instruction that you could share that would give people some things that they could begin to do to help? It's a good question. I think the first thing we want to say is we have to start with love. The folks that I've dealt with over the years that have struggled with self-harm, whenever it gets out, if you can use that term, maybe it's a, in a life group or in just a conversation, when a Christian hears about you're struggling with self-harm, usually they start bullet-pointing answers. Mm. And most of them would say, what happened to the fact of just saying, I hate that you're hurting? Mm. 
Let's try to deal with what went on in the past. Let's try to think through it. It burdens me that someone would sin against you if that was the case. And so often we jump to the answer before we actually have a sense of compassion and mercy. And a lot of them are just waving their hands saying, where's the mercy? And I think it's a legitimate question. Yeah. Because we believe we are helping because we're given the bullet points. Yeah. If you'll do these things, God will be honored. Life will be better. The stressors will seem less. That is all help, but sometimes we jump to the help so quick we forget to let them know we love you, we're concerned about your story, we hate to hear that this has gone on in the past. So that's the first element. I would just say don't forget Christ-like love. The second part is just uh, we don't want to speak in platitudes. Let go, let God, those kinds of things that sometimes we share. You know, this that happened in your past, you got to look forward. Uh, you're going to probably have to help them think through, how do I actually deal with conflict resolution? How do I deal with disappointments in the past? Steve Byers' book uh, on how to handle the past mm-hmm. is a good resource to think through that. Uh, lots of hope. I know uh, one good friend of ours said that he dealt with three depressed people, and they won. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the case a lot of times, right? Yeah. You go in with someone that has so much pain, and as a just a mercy-filled person, it it does zap your hope. I mean, yeah. there's a sense in which you've got to put on Christ before you enter that conversation and recognize that sometimes you're going to give them the very best verse you know, and they may chew it up and spit it out. And, and at that point, you've got to be recognized, my faith has to be resolute too. Yeah. Because if I don't hold on and be patient, and I think of 1 Thessalonians 5, Maybe sometimes they need reproof. My guess is most of the time they may be weak and they need someone to hold them tightly. Yeah. But regardless of where they're at, and in my counseling experience, they're in all three cases a lot of times. Somebody's just going to have to be patient with all of them yeah. and just be very kind and just methodical um, and walk slowly through the journey. It's not a quick counseling case. One thing for sure, as we interact and we show them the love of Christ, we want to point them to the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good. Because Christ is the one who understands our struggles. He's the one who's had the same temptations. He's walked on earth. He gave his own life. And in the process of all of that, he still glorified God, did what God wanted. And so really it's pointing them to Christ, initially maybe for salvation, uh, for some, but for the majority that we talk to, they're just people who are struggling. We just need to point them to the realities of Jesus Christ in the gospel and help them see the beauty of that. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Our guest this week has been Dr. Kevin Carson. He is a fellow with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and he is also a regular instructor at our counseling and discipleship trainings. At these events, which we host throughout the year all across the country, we teach Christians just like you how to deal with problems like the one we've been discussing. If you'd like more information about this issue, or if you'd like more information about one of our training events throughout the country, you can visit us at www.biblicalcounseling.com. Dot com.